Coming up, part two of looking at the best remaining MLB free agents and deciding how they can still help a ball club, and then talking with Sully Baseball about the Hall of Fame ballot. Only Scott Rowling gets in. The Hall of Fame gets it wrong once again. Talking all this with Sully Baseball on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. I'm your host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas 24portfoliocom I'm there to see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you my loyal listeners sharing subscribing reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you it's free and available on all platforms so please continue to tell your friends and one of those platforms is youtube so please hit subscribe on the locked on dimebacks youtube channel and today's episode is actually brought to you by fanduel FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And now let's jump right into that conversation with Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB. Yuli Gurriel is listed as the best available first baseman at this point. I look at a team like the Twins who just saw their first base production go way down with the trade of a rise to the Miami Marlins. I look at Gurriel, who, you know, it didn't have a great season last year, but is has been a solid player, has multiple World Series appearances, and has had some big hits, and not all of them have been trash can aided. And uh, if I'm looking for, again, a flyer on someone to come in and who has been there and done that for a team that has aspirations of winning, of winning. I think uh, Minnesota and Yuli Gurriel seem like a perfect fit for each other. Yeah. And it seems like, I think there's been some rumors that he's been linked to Miami as well. We know a team Mm -hmm. that's been starving for offense. I think Gurriel's biggest issue, just probably his lack of production from last year combined with his age. This is someone that's like 39 years old. So if you're bringing him in, you have to very temper your expectations. Maybe you're only expecting 80 to 90 games. I think, like you said, he's perfect for a young team trying to build toward the playoffs. Adam as a veteran presence still has maybe a little bit of pop, always been a good contact hitter. You just want to hope that you could get somewhere in terms of production between what he did last season and the year before, because I Obviously, he's not going to be an all-star level player anymore, but I also don't think he's as bad as what we saw last year. So if you can kind of get a mix of what you saw the last two seasons for Yuri Gurriel, he's going to be a great fire for somebody. I probably like him a little bit more than even a Gary Sanchez. Um, Let's go up the middle. You can have the combination of Josh Harrison and Elvis Andrews Mm. right there. Put that right up the middle. A couple of years ago, you've been salivated for something like that. Um, I think Harrison, who, you know, Stacey makes a point that he hits for contact and is an okay hitter, which sometimes having okay, – if you're a team, like I look at the Red Sox yeah. with gigantic holes in their infield, having Josh Harrison as a stopgap 
is, uh, or Elvis Andres is a stopgap, is not the worst thing in the world, quite frankly. I also look at the San Francisco Giants, who have some issues with their infield as well, both with, you know, departures and age and, you know, some players who didn't quite work out. You know, I think both Andrews and Harrison, both of them who played for uh, uh, Chicago last year, as a stopgap, obviously none of these are long-term solutions, but as a stopgap, you can go a lot worse than fill it in with these two guys who have had excellent seasons in the past. Yeah, these are bridge players. These are pace players. You just need them to hold it down until you find the right piece, either through free agency, through trade, or until you call somebody up, right? When we talk about the Boston Red Sox, everyone says, oh, it's okay that they got rid of Xander because we got Marcelo Mayer coming up in two years. Well, guess what? They currently don't have anybody manning that position, so they should go out there and get an Elvis Andrews or Josh Harrison because when I was reading Stacey's article and I saw a five war next to Andrews, <laughs> Elvis Andrews, I almost fell out my seat, Sully, because I did not expect him to have that high of a war considering he's super old and I feel like he hasn't been super productive the last few years but I looked at his stats they weren't fantastic but he had like 17 home runs and like 18 stolen bases last year like he's got some pop he's got some speed and if you're a team like the Boston Red Sox like you could probably do worse than Elvis Andrews like I think nobody is probably worse than Elvis Andrews so it's like why not sign these players if you have that need because all these remaining players on the free agent market they're not going to break the bank they're just going to be happy no. to get signed yeah like someone like donovan solano who she has at third base to me just screams tampa bay rays this is a guy who is going to wind up being super inexpensive was really good a couple of years ago not so good now um you know has played a little bit here a little infield in sh- at second base and mm-hmm. first base i'm just picturing him going to be with the rays and he'll wind up putting together like an OPS in the 800s and people like, how the hell did this happen? Oh, who the heck did Don, you know, that the, this is like the type of player that the Tampa usually just salivates over and, you know, be like, Oh man. Yeah. I forgot about this guy. And he'll wind up having one very good season. And then a team like the Brewers will sign him to a four-year deal and overpay and he'll get hurt. And his great grandkids can go to law school on the Milwaukee Brewers, but the Rays got that one good year sort of stuck in there. And uh, I, you know, I just look at that. Yeah, Solano is the perfect kind of guy. If you're a team that's just starving for contact hitters, you just need someone that could put the ball in play and get on base for you, maybe move runners over. Because if you look at Solano, those the last four years, starting in 2019 with his batting average, starting in 2019, 330, then 326, 280, 284. This is someone that could just straight up hit, and maybe he doesn't have the power. Maybe he doesn't have the speed. But just adding someone that you know is not going to be a negative at the plate be smart with their pitches, has a good approach to the game. That's a positive player in your lineup. And I would probably, like, we keep going back to Gary Sanchez. Like, if it's Sanchez or Solano, like, yeah, if I need that over-the-fence power, give me Sanchez. But if I'm just in a situation where I got the boppers, I just need someone that can get a hit, get a single, so my boppers could bring him home, then give me Solano. By the way, speaking of someone who uh, we talk about Tampa Bay, and you're from Lockdown, Arizona, David yeah. Peralta still doesn't have a home now. Um, Stacy pointed out the fact that the Dodgers have been kicking the tires on him for a little bit. And we forget the Dodgers, what they won, what I think they won 170 games last year. And yet they lost, uh, in the, it seems like they did. And then they got just, just bamboozled by San Diego in the division series. I still can't believe that happened. Um, 
They have a, the Dodgers have more holes on their team than you think they do. And yeah, they have a fertile farm system and they have some great players on there, but Peralta strikes me as a player who will probably wind up on a team like LA that you look up and go like, Oh wow. Yeah. I forgot about him. And you'll have like, you know, that he'll probably do fine. He'll probably do just fine. Or he could end up in San Francisco or he could wind up, you know, with St. Lou. But I, I think, you know, Stacy pointed out the Dodgers. I think he's a good fit for the Dodgers as a short-term sort of bridge pickup. Sully and I will continue our conversation, but I first got a message from our sponsor because the NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. That's right, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. Better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. They got every kind of betting style you could want. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Guess what? Whenever I see the Lakers are playing, now that Anthony Davis is back, I'm riding my same game parlay. Give me LeBron James 25 points. Give me Anthony Davis 25 points. Give me Anthony Davis 10 rebounds. Give me LeBron two threes. I guarantee you that's at least plus 500 and that's easy money in your pocket. All on an app that's safe, secure, and of course super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. I don't know why, but hearing fertile farm system gave me a little bit of an ick there. But for David Peralta, freight train, this is someone still a good defensive player in left field, borderline gold glove winner last season. And he's someone that can still produce in the middle of your lineup as a clutch hitter. He doesn't really have the over the fence power like he used to, but you look at his number. Did you just mute yourself? Yeah, I accidentally got muted. I think my mic got disconnected. I, I, I had to mute you. I didn't I didn't like what you were saying. I <laughs> okay, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, so for David Peralta, he's still an elite veteran presence, can still make those – oh, it was because I, I remember now what the tangent I was going about to go on. It's because I was going to talk about the RBI, Sully. People don't care about the RBI anymore. Oh. I almost got muted by MLB conspiracy or MLB government because no one wants to talk about the RBI. I believe there's an art to an RBI. Yes, if you have all-star in your lineup who are going to get on base it's a lot easier to juice up your stats with rbis but guess what there's also players that just are clutch have that gene and when they see a man on second when they see a man on third they know how to put the ball in play they know how to bring that guy home and david peralta freight train is one of those guys not everyone is great runners in scoring position those are high pressure moments and david peralta is someone that i've always trusted when he did it for the d-backs and came up in those situations uh, speaking about something with a little bit of pop, just sort of bouncing around here, it looks like Luke Voigt is still available. This guy, um, you know, Luke is uh, that's your guy he, right there. You know, he's just he just has he can hit some he can hit some out of the park. 
you know, he's not going to do much for you. He has no value in the field. But if you're a team that has no power, I'm looking at you, Cleveland. I'm looking at you, uh, uh, you know, Miami. I'm looking at you, Pittsburgh. Hell, I'm looking at you, Boston, with very little power on your team. You know, you take your chances, especially if you can, if you can pair him with a left-handed bat. You know, I, I mean, he people are kind of using the DH as a spot to sort of cycle in, like, you know, it's like a, a rotating pinch hitter. But I don't know. I, I like a player. I'd like a player like Void if it means, you know, some, you know, a little yeah. bit of pop. He's another Gary Sanchez S player because you look at his stats from last season, the 22 home runs and 135 games. That makes you feel really good. And then you see 55 walks to 179 strikeouts. He's another Joey Gallo, Gary Sanchez S player. Great pop, can do it as a DH, but you don't probably you probably don't want to play him 150 games because it's going to be a negative in that. The, the more you play him, the more of a negative he's going to be. If you play him for 80 games and you get those 20 home runs in those 80 games just as a DH platoon guy, then I think you're healthy. Then I think you're happy because, like you said, he offers no value defensively, really. Offensively, he strikes out a lot. But if you like guys and you just need pop and power in your lineup, go get Luke Voigt. Now, the best pitcher that Stacy has listed, I find fascinating. It's Zach Greinke. Now, I... I thought I was under the impression that Zach Greinke was calling it quits after last year with when he returned to Kansas City. But people will go broke trying to predict Zach Greinke. Um, he is a he is. Uh, there will be I will watch a nine part Ken doc, Ken Burns documentary about Zach Greinke. Do a hell of a lot worse than a former Cy Young Award winner and a borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah, Grinky quietly had like a really good season last year with the Kansas City Royals. Like I thought maybe Grinky was falling off. I thought maybe he was going to be done after Houston, but like a 3 6 8 ERA, 137 innings pitch and I look at his numbers from last year, I'm like, should the D-backs try to find a way to cut Mass and Bumgarner and trade him and then just bring back their old biggest free agent of all time and Zach Grinky because this guy can still do it for you and if you or in need of, look, he's not your number one or number two starter no more. We all know that. But he's definitely in that Johnny Cueto tier where he's like still good, maybe not Lee or an all-star. But if he's like your number four, number five starter, your veteran uh, rounding out their, your rotation, or maybe he even goes to a young team like he did with the Royals last year. Like I think he could put Granke in pretty much any rotation. If you're a World Series contender that needs a number four or five, put him in there. Perfect veteran presence, World Series champion, leader. He's done it all. Or if you're a young team, same things, same attributes apply. Now put him in that young rotation where he could teach those guys how to be a professional and a, and a hardworking veteran. Like Zach Greinke can go anywhere and help out a team still at the age of 39. Like when this guy retires, I know we're going to potentially still talk about the Hall of Fame later. Yeah, this guy, right. Okay, this guy's definitely a Hall of Famer then. Yeah, and I think I mean, a team like St. Louis, I think, should be falling all over themselves. Is the Cardinals are just an arm or two away from being a legit World Series contender? Um, you bring him in. What's the worst thing that could happen? Absolutely. And thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day. The Lockdown MLB prospects. 
show with host Lindsey Crosby because he's a prospect encyclopedia, and the D-backs are littered all over the top 100 list on MLB.com, on Baseball America, no matter where you go. So if you want to hear a breakdown of the D-backs top prospects, go check out Lindsey Crosby's show, Locked On MLB Prospects, right now, streaming and available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we're going to do one last segment here. Just we talked a little bit about this the other day, but it's worth talking about right now. You brought you brought up um, Zach Grinke and his Hall of Fame potential status. Um, Scott Rowland is going to be joining Fred McGriff. Um, I have no problem with either one of those two. None. Uh, Fred, I have more. I have stronger feelings about Fred McGriff, who I think absolutely belongs in. Um, I have been convinced about Roland. I, I understand the, the arguments for and against, um, but I see him and I go like, okay, great. Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think this is an egregious entry. I think it's fine. I'm sure not everyone will agree with it, but again, it's one of those things that you see some of the names down on the ballot, you know, Rodriguez and Ramirez are, had, yeah. infinitely better <laughs> careers and but... when, you, when you know there are already PED users in the hall it's like okay so I guess that's not the issue is it just we didn't like Manny and we didn't like A-Rod is that really what's going on here um Sheffield the same thing you know Sheffield had a remarkable career was connected to Balco but you know so was Pudge Rodriguez yeah, I you think know? if you're if you're anti if you're pro steroid users get in the Hall of Fame, I even think it's hard for you to justify someone like Manny Ramirez who failed it like three times. Yeah, like I, if you failed it one time, okay, but if you keep failing the steroid test, I'm like, all right, it's probably a little bit harder to make the argument. But I do have yeah. a question for you, Sully. Yeah. Do you have any issue with like the idea of Scott Rowland, the first year on the ballot, he only gets 10% of the vote. And then people make the argument, well, he only got 10% because the ballot was loaded. But now you look five years later, he's elected 76%, but you he one of the reason he gets in is because the ballot has dwindled with the amount of talent that's on the ballot this year. So should someone after five years be elected to the Hall of Fame when we only think he's a Hall of Famer when the ballot is looking weak? Because when we stack him up against other great MLB players, you're like, OK, this guy's not one of the 10 best players on this list right now. So he's not even going to get more than 10 percent of the vote. But five years later, when the ballot dwindles with quality talent, now we think he's good enough to the make the Hall of Fame. I'd rather him just never make it if you think he's only good when there's lesser talent on the ballot. I, I understand what you're saying. And I do think there's some validity to that. I think Scott was um, uh, incredibly boosted by the fact that there were no, there none of the first ballots with the exception of Beltran even made a dent really. No. Um, and he was aided by the fact that some of the players in the past, you know, there's no more Clemens or Bonds discussions or anything like that. Um, but I do also think that there are some players who need a little bit of time to have their candidacy dissected and debated. Burp Blylevin is my favorite example of that, who got in the 13th or 14th ballot. Um, and 
he didn't have the win total. He didn't have a lot of the totals that people normally looked at. He's top five all-time strikeouts. He's unbelievable stats he had up and down. He very rarely was considered one of the top two or three pitchers in the league. So there was this aura about him that he was a very good pitcher who had a very long career. Um, but I think it took people a while to analyze his stats and sort of remove yourself from some of the more traditional stats to see his value. I think for some people, it took some, it took a few years of debating and analyzing his stats and everything like that to get him in a position where he is a, that his candidacy is clear to a lot of players. He also was lost in the shuffle because there was all the, the screaming about, you know, should Clemens and Bonds be in? What the hell is Harold Baines doing in there? And all of that. So he kind of was like the uh, the middle child looking at mommy and daddy fighting, cowering in the back of the station wagon. Um, I, I think that that I, I get totally what you're saying, but I also think a candidate like Scott Rowland needs to have some reflection and some debate about him. My friend Richie Duncan, who has been a guest on the show before, has a very simple criteria for the hall of fame which is mm. this are you famous if so yes <laughs> okay <laughs> that's kind of interesting and like i told him and i said scott Rowland. he said i don't know who that is not famous doesn't get in <laughs> and i said what about jose canseco and he says he deserves a wing an entire wing of the museum so if, he, if, if he's famous it's a hall of fame imagine anyone famous in if you're not famous get out well, the only issue is baseball players are getting less famous as the years go on. So eventually, well, yeah. we might not have any Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, guess what? His sport is hockey. So <laughs> okay. I, guess, I don't know anybody, you know, man. Yeah, I work that, in hockey. There you go. There you go. But um, the I think more egregious than, you know, I mean, look, at I, I, I've supported Roland. I've not supported I've gone back and forth on him. And as I said, he got in and my initial reaction was, oh, you know, I didn't, when Jim Rice, one of my favorite players growing up, got in, I got choked up. I started, I got a little teary-eyed when Jim Rice got in. There's a couple of people who made me go, wait, what? Who got in? Um, Isn't that kind of weird, though? You got to debate and analyze the numbers for five years before deciding if someone's a Hall of Famer. I feel like doing a 10-year period is just way too long. I feel like it should be like three years. And then if after three years, like, I don't think we should have a limit on the number of people we should vote on and how many people. That I agree on. That I 100% agree on. And I think that he was hurt by the 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 ballot i don't think there's 10 on the ballot that's a completely arbitrary number what yeah. if there are 13 qualifying players on the ballot or what if there are none what do i don't, I don't understand what 10 achieves um to be pass fail either you're a hall of famer or not i don't really understand um helton who i think is a hall of famer missing by 11 votes um what that means is i mean uh helton mm-hmm. family uh, make your reservations next year to go to upstate New York. I mean, there's no way someone's going to get to within 11 votes of the Hall of Fame and then not make it. Um, uh, I, yeah, he played in Coors Field. That's the only thing. That's the only reason you don't think he's a Hall of Famer is if you think he's overinflated by Coors Field. But I think that he's, he, there have been players who played in Coors Field who didn't have his overall numbers. Now you can point out, okay, he didn't get to 400 home runs and get to, get to 3,000 hits. You know, he finished with a career OPS of 953. Yeah, it's insane. You know, I mean, his numbers and and his numbers aren't just. This is not Dante Bichette. 
Okay, this is not someone who was okay on the road and a superstar at home. He is someone who's a consistent player wherever he played. I got the splits so, if you want to hear them, Sully. Sure, oh, why boy. not? Yeah, because he's definitely better at home, but it wasn't like he was a scrub at uh, on the road. Because right. at home, 345 average, 1048 OPS. On the road, 287 average. 855 OPS. So if, the, if his road numbers were a full season numbers, he's still putting up all-star level numbers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, 857 career OPS, you're going to be putting up some tremendous numbers, yeah. even if you're playing, no matter what park you're playing in. And that's for your careers. That means in his prime, he was probably putting up like a 925 OPS on the road or something. Yeah, like yeah, because he, I mean, he had some down years. His final two years weren't that great. You know, I mean, but again, my point is this. He is a player who has put up great numbers year in and year out and the core, you know, how many things were we supposed to put against someone? Oh, did they use roids? Oh, did they play in course? Oh, did they? And we're, how about giving Todd Helton some credit that he played his entire career in Colorado. That when he had the chance that he didn't, you know, he didn't cash out and demand a trade or somewhere else like that. No, there's a guy went, you know, from 1997 to 2013 was a Rocky. You know, I mean, this is I, I sell We should celebrate players like that. Yeah, his number is absolutely insane. When you look at like uh, base, I mean, his, his numbers are just insane. If you look at like 2000, 2004, he puts up just immaculate numbers. But the player on the list that I kind of want to talk about, Sully, just because from like a sad boy perspective, because he didn't get any votes, zero votes. And I want to just talk about like the trajectory of his career from how it started to how it finished. And that is actually someone from your favorite team, Sully, or I think at least your dad's favorite team, the San Francisco Giants, Matt Cain. Because when you think of Matt Cain, this was someone that was like one of the best pitchers in baseball, had that perfect game, signed that massive contract. You look, he was a two-time All-Star. He basically, for a four-year period, looked like a Cy Young candidate, top five pitcher in baseball every single season. And then by the time of age 30, Matt Cain was basically done in Major League Baseball, and he was just very because last year on the ballot, I believe Tim Lincecum was on it. And if you look at both of their careers side by side, like both of them had massive peaks, both of them Cy Young candidates. Tim Lincecum won a couple Cy Youngs, both of them World Series champions, both of them signed massive contracts, and both of them were pretty much done by the time they turned the age of 30, which is just insane. And both of them had injuries to blame. So I just think when I look at the last two years of ballot, the your father's favorite team, the Giants, Tim Lincecum and Matt Cain. When I think about how I thought about them when they were like 26, 27 years old and they felt like on top of the world and you're like, this guy's going to be in my life for the next 10 years. Then the way both of their careers just kind of abruptly ended because of injuries and the idea that not the idea that neither one of them was good past the age of 30. I think it's just honestly shocking. And I just wanted to give some love to Matt Cain because it was really good and his career ended kind of sadly. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's the danger. I mean, you see that. I mean, look at what Brandon Webb with the Diamondbacks was won a Cy Young award, nearly won a second, and then he pitched one game. Bye. Yeah, he's you know, one of those, he's one of those greatest what if players that could have been because he was right there, like taking the mantle, taking the torch after the Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling era. And Brandon Webb was like a two time Cy Young award winner, or like right there in the mix for Cy Youngs. And it's it's crazy how his career ended as well. Well, it's crazy how this ended. You and I wondered if we were going to have enough uh, to do one show. And uh, here we are. Good for the rest over, of the week now. Yeah, going over again. Uh, Miller, tell people where they can listen to your show. 
Yeah, follow me on Twitter at CareerThomas24. Follow the show account on Twitter, Locked on Diamondbacks. We're on all your streaming platforms, of course. And we're also on YouTube, Locked on Diamondbacks on there as well. And we're at uh, Locked on MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Breaking down all sorts of goodness with Miller Thomas. And oh, wait, wait, I forgot to say one other thing. Holy cow. Uh, thanks so much for making us your first listen. For your second listen, have that be Locked On MLB Prospects. Lindsey Crosby, he's a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. Check him out wherever you get your podcast. Oh, got that under the wire. Talking about all the goodness of the Hall of Fame and other things. This has been Locked On MLB. I'm your pal, Sully. That's Miller Thomas. Let's fist bump for another week. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Come back next week for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. Go back and catch up on any pods you might have missed. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do it without you. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.